0: Welcome to episode number three of the Dust Safety Science Podcast, where we're looking at increasing awareness of combustible dust hazards, generating lessons learned from fire and explosion incidents, and creating a connected global community around dust safety and powder handling industries. In today's episode, we'll be reviewing the Imperial Sugar Refinery explosion on February 7, 2008. In this episode, we'll be going through the U.S. Chemical Safety Board investigation report and pulling out the lessons learned that they found from this incident. In today's episode, we'll be looking at the regulatory landscape at the time of the incident, go through in detail what actually happened in the explosions and ensuing fires, um, look at the key findings from the CSP report, and look at three important takeaways um, in comparison what, with what we've learned from the Combustible Dust Incident Database. As always, you can go to the show notes for this episode by going to dustsafetyscience.com the episode number. So in this case, it'd be dustsafetyscience.com number three. And if you enjoy, have been enjoying the podcast so far, go ahead and rate and review us in iTunes. And if you have any questions, feel free to go ask, Go to dustsafetyscience.com slash ask, that's slash A-S-K, and you can ask those questions there either verbally or, or write by writing them down, and we'll have them answered here on the show. We'll bring on experts to talk about those questions, um, or we'll go into the research archives and find that material. So with that, I want to say thank you again for uh, listening, and I hope you enjoy the show. Today's episode will be a solo show focusing on the Imperial Sugar Refinery explosion in Wentworth, Georgia. Um, That's just outside Savannah, February 7, 2008. So this incident had a a very large impact on the combustible dust community. Um, It was quite a severe incident. There were over 14 fatalities, 36 injuries. Um, And it came at a time that was really uh, the awareness of combustible dust hazards was increasing. The National Emphasis Program had just been released by OSHA two months prior to this incident occurring. Um, And then after this incident, uh, before the CSP, the Chemical Safety Board report came out, OSHA renewed its um, stance that it would move forward with rulemaking towards a federal combustible dust standard. So then the purpose of this episode really uh, has a couple parts to it. One is to carry forward the lessons learned generated from the U.S. Chemical Safety Board in the 90-page report they released uh, over a year after the incident where they actually sent a team out for four months to analyze the, the destruction after the explosion, look at uh, documents from the company, um, do interviews with witnesses, and really pull together a lot of great information that we can then learn from uh, moving forward with combustible dust safety. Also, it's a good way to keep the discussion going. If you're a process safety professional, um, work at installation of explosion or fire safety equipment, um, or even manufacturing this equipment, it's good to generate the information or lessons learned around these incidents um, and in particular, I'll take a, I'll go over a couple key takeaways um, from reading the report on my side. I'll also cover the CSB recommendations in this podcast. So that really is helpful for people that are involved in the safety side and have a good background knowledge already. If you're a safety manager or a salesperson um, selling, say, original uh, manufactured equipment, it's also helpful to have a background understanding of, of how large-scale incidents like this happen. Um, and then when you go and talk to your customers or your workers at your facility, you have a, a larger knowledge base from which you can draw on to, uh, to illustrate the hazards that are involved. If you have any thoughts or questions about this specific episode or the Imperial Sugar Refinery incident, or even some comments on how it affected you and your uh, professional progression, you can go to the website dustsafetyscience.com episode 3 and leave a comment there. At the time of the incident, Imperial Sugar Refinery is one of the largest sugar refineries in the U.S., uh, taking in raw cane sugar and processing into refined sugars, including granulated sugar and other specialty products. The explosion itself uh, completely destroyed the large three storage silos that were on site, as well as the full packing facility. So the facility layout had a, had a processing operation, in which the refined sugar was then transported using screw conveyors, bucket elevators, and horizontal conveyors, into the three storage silos. Underneath the storage silos was a tunnel system that was seven feet tall uh, and 12 feet wide and had an 80 foot conveyor, uh, horizontal conveyor that went underneath each of the silos. So the fine came in, silo number three, uh, fell down onto an arrow belt conveyor into the bucket pit and then was picked up by bucket elevators into silo number two and silo number one. These dropped out into a steel uh, horizontal conveyor system which then took them into the screw conveyors and bucket elevators that um, took the refined sugar into the packaging facility, as well as into the specialty products facilities where they made their, their products such as brown sugar and liquid sugar. The U.S. Chemical Safety Board report highlights several deficiencies in the processing operations in the packaging plants and in the tunnel underneath the, the silo system. Two of these had a very large impact on the overall severity of the explosion. The first that was, was that in the packing facility, the screw conveyors, the bucket elevators were not dust tight, so there's a lot of dust leakage, as well as at the bagging stations and filling stations, uh, there's a lot of dust being spilled out. Uh, even up to two months prior to the incident, there are documentation from the company reporting over uh, several tons of sugar dust being removed routinely from the processing floor uh, from these dust accumulations. In a combination with this, they had an ineffective dust collection system. Um, several of the, the dust collectors were... Um, undersized as well as some of them were not in operatal, operating proper operating conditions. Um, afterwards the CSB looked at several of the the pipes and ductwork and found that they were completely clogged with sugar dust. Sugar dust was not moving. This deficiency meant that at any point if a, a flash fire or an explosion did occur, there's a very large chance, a very large probability of having a secondary explosion and several secondary fires that could be quite severe and that's that's actually what happened in in this case. The second major deficiency that led to the actual ignition and primary explosion in this case was in the tunnel system underneath the storage silos. So routinely they would have blockages and clogs in the the bottom of the silo, which would then cause the oncoming um, sugar dust that was on the conveyor system to fall off the sides or jam up or get dispersed into the air in the tunnel system. Uh, This is actually occurring for over 80 years of the facility, they have documentation going back that far showing these sort of issues both in the packaging facility with dust all dust accumulations on the floor um, on the rafters but also in this tunnel system because the tunnel was so large it was 7 feet by 12 feet you never got up above the minimal exposable concentration of the dust all that changed a few months prior to the incident when they enclosed the horizontal conveying system underneath the storage silos they did this for um, sanitary reasons they didn't want uh, material falling out into the sugar as it goes into the packing plant so they enclose the the conveyor system. In this they also enclose the switches they enclose the bearings all inside a steel frame with, uh, with steel plating or um, metal plating going down the side of the 80 the foot conveyor. So now in the facility we have the conditions to have a, a primary explosion occur in the tunnel system underneath the silos but also for this to propagate up through the bucket elevators up through the screw conveyors into the packaging facility, which then has this housekeeping issue uh, which can then lead to large secondary explosions and fires and that's indeed what happened February 7th at about 7.15pm. At this time, the, the new CEO of Imperial Sugar Company was actually touring the facility. He had just been made CEO nine days prior, which just goes to show that these, these incidents can happen at any time, even, uh, even when a safety professional or the CEO or someone else is walking the facility. The group reported that they were startled when they heard a loud noise coming from the packaging facility um, that sounded like a large uh, pallet of packaging material falling off a forklift. Three to five seconds later, they, they heard a loud explosion which actually knocked them to the floor, um, heaved the concrete floors which were three inches thick and knocked out several walls and this was followed by a series of secondary explosions and fires that, that occurred up to 100 feet away from the storage silo system throughout the entire packing facility. Video footage from the from a nearby business shows how how kind of terrifying and devastating the the extent of the damage is um, and saw a large fireball shooting in the air up to 15 minutes after the initial primary explosion incident. From interviewing witnesses and looking at the the explosion damage within the facility, the chemical safety board concluded that the explosion was initiated beneath silo number 1. And that it occurred due to a clog or a lump that got stuck in the bottom of the silo chute, which then caused overflow of sugar from silo number two as it moved along the steel belt. This filled the, the new enclosed um, conveying system, uh, allowing the dust concentration to get above the MEC. They looked at several uh, ignition possible ignition sources. Um, they ruled out open flame as there, there were no workers in the, the silo system itself. Um, there were four electrical switches inside the enclosure. Two of those remained after the explosion, both had um, explosion safety ratings, so they ruled those out. They couldn't rule out metal to metal friction sparks from, say, a jammed conveyor, but they did do testing and they were unable to ignite the dust um, with testing after the incident. They concluded that overheated bearings most likely caused the, the initial explosion event um, in the conveyor system. So the bearings overheated getting above the MIT of the sugar dust, which was around 400 degrees Celsius, or 700 degrees Fahrenheit. An interesting aspect that we have in, in this particular incident uh, is, is that the CSB actually went through and looked at how this primary explosion ended up propagating throughout the rest of the facility, which we normally or typically don't have in, a, in every sort of incident. Um, this took a, a team, again, over four months to, to conduct the analysis. So what they believe happened was this initial explosion in the conveyor system, it propagated throughout the entire conveyor, all 80 feet. Every metal panel that was on the side of the structure they put on ha- was blown off quite violently. So they were twisted, they were torn. The pressure wave went between silo 2 and silo 1 and knocked out the brick wall um, that was housing the stairwell adjacent to the silos um, and also heaved, the again, the 3-inch concrete floors above uh, this dislodged a, a lot of dust from the rafters, from the floors that was accumulated around the area. And this led to the uh, secondary explosions and fires, again, up to 100 feet away from the initial ignition location. Another difficulty with the, the resulting secondary explosions were they knocked out the power system within the facility. And also knocked out all of the sprinkler systems, or most of the sprinkler systems. So now the, the sprinklers couldn't activate to put out the fires. And workers couldn't see where they were going. Um, After the incident, uh, the analysis by CSB showed that there was limited training. Um, They did have uh, exit guidelines from different locations, but they weren't specific to where different workers were within the facility. Um, And they certainly didn't take take into account uh, the fact that walls may be knocked down and that uh, stairwells may be inoperable. Beyond that, the CSB couldn't find any records of um, fire drills or escape drills um, that took into account any sort of uh, explosion or or um, scenarios similar to the the fires that they saw here. Before jumping into some of the takeaways that uh, I have from reading the report um, and comparing to what we found with the combustible dust incident database, I just wanted to give a summary of the uh, Chemical Safety Board findings, just because they highlight uh, a lot of the, the issues that occurred. Um, the first finding was that the Imperial Sugar Company and the larger uh, sugar handling industry as a whole, has had awareness of combustible dust hazards since 1952. Um, CSB found that the facility management since 1958 has documented precautionary measures and equipment design in relation to reducing the the chance of an explosion from occurring and the severity. However, they did not um, take action to minimize or control the sugar dust hazards that were found in the packing area um, and below in the, the... below the silos in the tunnel system. Um, over the years, the facility had experienced several um, small, smaller-scale explosions um, and many fires in different equipment, and at no point did that ever escalate to the severity that we saw on February 7th, even though that plant had been operating in that way for over 80 years. The Chemical Safety Board um, found that the enclosure of the horizontal conveyors under the silo systems um, was the large was the contributing factor to initiating the explosion event, and um, also found that the conveying system did not have um, any sort of venting to to reduce the the effect of the explosion once it had initiated. Because the explosion was unmitigated, this allowed the pressure rise to to build up to destructive levels, both in the conveyor blowing out the panels, but also throughout the sidewalls and roof, um, dislodging the concrete slabs, which further Uh, dispersed more dust in the air and caused the secondary explosions. The CSB found that the fatalities and injuries most likely occurred during the secondary explosions and resulting fires and due to difficulties in employees actually evacuating the building once the incident occurred. In the last two key findings, the CSB found that the company management and supervisory personnel had reviewed um, and distributed the OSHA National Emphasis Program um, a few months prior to the incident However, they did not act promptly to remove the significant accumulations of sugar dust down through the packing facility or take into um, account the the difficulties that they may have in the tunnel system underneath the silos. In the last set of key findings, the Chemical Safety Board found that risk insurers that did audits um, in 2007, as well as trade associations that did audits in May of 2007, um, gave ratings to the facility that were indicative that they they did not have a, a significant hazard. Um, involved. However, both of these trade associations and the, the risk insurers, or the property insurers, knew about the hazards of combustible dust, however did not relay that information um, through to the facility in a way that caused them to, to reduce the chances, the likelihood, or severity of a resulting explosion. So I want to conclude this podcast episode by talking about some key takeaways from the CSB report and from this incident in general um, that aren't necessarily covered in the report but that we've seen in relation to the combustible dust incident database. I want to give three key takeaways. Um, One is, the first is about understanding the nature of the problem that we're dealing with um, and risk perception of that kind of of combustible dust hazards. The second is the role that training needs to play in um, prevention of explosion incidents and uh, response to the incidents. And third, I want to talk a bit about some lessons that this specific incident has and the CSB report has on how potential ways that we can change this moving forward. The first major takeaway is to do with, again, with this risk perception and this uphill battle that we really do have um, in combustible dust incidents because these are low frequency and, and sometimes high severity, as in this case, incidents. In my work, I often talk about different levels of understanding of combustible dust hazards. So the first level is just awareness that that combustible dust can pose a fire and explosion hazard. The second level is is knowledge. So we know that a hazard exists, but how bad can that be? Um, in a lot of cases, uh, in a lot of facilities, we underestimate the potential consequence. Third level is connection. So okay, we know that there's a hazard, how bad it can be, but who do we go to to get the right information, um, to get the right equipment put in place? And then the fourth level is risk perception. So um, because these are low frequency events, we often become normalized or complacent to the potential consequence of an explosion event. You often hear this as, I've been here 20 years, um, and that's never been an issue. This facility has been operating this way for 80 years, for 100 years, um, and we've never had an issue. So then the first takeaway is really um, that this plant had been operating under these conditions of a lot of fugitive sugar dust in the packing facility, um, a lot of dust being spilled in the tunnel for uh, documented over 80 years. Um, before they had this catastrophic incident. And it wasn't due to lack of ignition sources. This uh, modification to the tunnel system wasn't the only uh, primary explosion to occur. The earliest explosion that was documented at the facility was in 1961 in the powdered sugar mill, which again is is adjacent to the the packaging factory, their packaging facility. Uh, They had frequently reported fires throughout the facility as... Dust accumulations grew on top of motors and overheated them. Um, and even two months prior to the February 7th incident, they had an explosion in a dust collector unit near the roof, which was successfully vented and didn't act to initiate a secondary explosion. This just shows that, that very frequently they were having, expl- have, having fires and even occasionally having explosions that all could have served as an initiating event for this large-scale explosion. This highlights then the the difficulty that we are going to have as a as a powder safety community, as a dust processing community, in illustrating increasing awareness and knowledge around these hazards. Um, this isn't to, to be discouraging, but it's just to highlight that this is the nature of the problem that we're trying to solve. The second key takeaway is the role that um, training had in this incident, and it actually impacted in a couple different ways. The CSB went over through um, 10,000 pages worth of safety training uh, at the Imperial Sugar Refinery in Port Wentworth um, and found very good mention of specific safety rules to that plant facility but no coverage of combustible dust um, at least over the last uh, uh, decade of, of training. There's also no training done on evacuation in the sense that they didn't do practice drills or what-if scenarios even though they had, uh, had so much fuel accumulated. And the possibility of an explosion or a fire may be uh, may be seen as quite uh, quite large. The the last area where training really comes involved in this, is in this concept of management of change, and we'll cover this in in a later podcast episode quite uh, in in more detail, and maybe bring some experts on to discuss it. But the whole process of enclosing the tunnel system, the conveyor in the tunnel. Um, is a pretty big change to the processing operation. And if they had done a proper management change analysis, they, they may have picked up on the potential consequence that would have of getting the dust above the minimum explosive concentration and triggering the, the specific explosion event on February 7th. So these first two takeaways may be seen as, as a little bit discouraging, just showing the, the difficulties we have in um, both preparing for and mitigating an explosion event uh, as it occurs. The third takeaway is, is based on some recommendations in the CSB report and actually shows a way that forward. So the CSB found that um, the property insurers uh, had done an audit in 2007 at the facility in May, 2007 and that a trade association that they belong to had also done an audit of the facility. Uh, the property insurers did not mention a difficulty with combustible dust and the trade association gave them a supreme rating, uh, but it was only based on the, um, on the cleanliness and and based on the quality of the foodstuffs being produced, it didn't have anything to do with explosion or fire safety. However, both these associations, when interviewed after, showed that they did have training material for their inspectors uh, around combustible dust and that their inspectors did know of these hazards, but they didn't pass that information along to the Imperial Sugar Refinery. Um, didn't pick up on it while they were they were going through the facility. So this this gives us a way forward in that these trade associations and the the property insurers really can play a role in educating the plant owners and the facility owners that these are issues. Maybe push them towards a material that would better highlight the potential consequence and give them place to go to mitigate and, and prevent these sort of explosions from happening further. And with that, I want to thank you again for listening to the Dust Safety Science podcast. If you'd like to get access to the U.S. Chemical Safety Board investigation reports or the videos that they create on this incident, you can go to dustsafetyscience.com 3. Um, If you have a question that you'd like to ask to the dust safety community, have an answer on the podcast, you can go to dustsafetyscience.com slash ask to get that question answered there.